The views expressed on Teacher Vision are those of the interviewee and interviewer and do not represent Screenlance Allies as a whole. Hello there, and welcome to Teacher Vision, episode number 26, where everyone has a different vision of learning. My name is Jose Briseño, and on this part of the interview with Mr. Bill McCann, founder of Dancing Dots, we're going to change gears. Before we get into the episode, we wish to apologize for the loud leaf blower on Mr. McCann's background. We tried cleaning it up, but unfortunately, the leaf blower decided that it talked a lot better than he did. <laughs> so we apologize in advance for any inconveniences. Audio editing can do so much. Speaking of audio editing, we're going to talk about mainstream audio software. Now, this is actually one of my favorite subjects to talk about in general. Audio software may mean audio editors. For example, that's how I bring the podcast to you guys with special audio recording software. How has that evolved for the blind? Has it become more accessible? And how does Dancing Dots play into it with some history of how music production was done back in the early 2000s and what became of that software? All that and more right here on Teacher Vision by Screenless Allies. Nowadays... There are a lot of mainstream music production software like Pro Tools, Reaper. Yeah. At the time, whenever I got to work with you, Sonar was very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. That was before Sonar X came out because you sold special scripts for the JAWS screen reader that worked with Sonar. It was called Cake Talking, but it was developed by David Pinto. Now, those aren't being developed anymore. And now you only work with Lime, and I'm assuming you still have the old versions of Sonar, correct? Yeah, we do, but I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another aspect of our business. We actually have been offering consultation and training to people to set up to use recording programs like Reaper on the Windows side and to train people to use Logic Pro on the Macintosh with voiceover. So the access solutions for those things we did not develop, but we're musicians and we're blind. And so we can help people. We can tell them, you know, what gear to get. Like you were asking me about a eight track audio interface. We got a leaf blower going. I'm competing. I don't know if you can still hear me, but (laughs) yeah, um, I can still hear you. Go ahead. We help people kind of set up and then get them started. Programs like Sonar, like Reaper or Logic Pro for people who are listening, they're not all about notation like Lime and Goodfield. They're all about making recordings, multi-track recordings, basically making records. Which is neat, which definitely helps. Now, how would you say music production software in general has evolved over the years since you founded Dancing Dots? Setting aside the question of accessibility, it's developed a great deal. You can now buy for a few thousand dollars a computer and some gear and software, and you have almost unlimited number of tracks. You have all kinds of digital effects that you can add to your recording. A lot of people don't know it, but the Beatles made a record called Sgt. Pepper. Mm -hmm. They made it on a four-track tape recorder. Oh, wow. Four tracks. And it sounds great. The machines and the time and the engineering that made that happen, they spent a lot of money, even in 60s dollars. I don't even know, but let's say maybe they spent 50000 or $100,000 or more. You can get better than that now by spending two or $3,000. Maybe you're going to spend some money for training, but you know, you have an unlimited number of tracks. Right. You have all kinds of effects that they never even dreamed of. So a lot of that has come a long way. And a lot of the records you hear on radio are not made in big studios anymore. They made in people's bedrooms or a spare room or you know, the garage. In, in, in the yeah. garage, in my situation, 
yeah, the uh, garage with, band. With, I mean, that's, that's right. really where the garage band software name came from, like just recording the guys out in the garage. Now, how about accessibility wise? Would you say that we're still lacking in that? Or would you say that we're kind of in an even playing field? We're not quite at the even playing field, but we are definitely getting improvements. I'm partial, but, you know, David Pinto's cake talking, I think, still is the gold standard for accessibility for multi-track audio because it was so user-friendly. I tease David, but it's true that he's one of the most blind-sighted people I've ever met. I've been in a hotel room with David where he needed to change his code, and I had a machine at the time that... I dropped and the screen didn't work anymore. I could use it with JAWS, so I didn't care, but the laptop screen didn't work. And so we had kind of something come up and he felt like he needed to change something. And I said, well, my screen doesn't work anymore. He says, I don't care. He ran JAWS. He found his source code. He changed it. He tested it. <laughs> wow. And he's a fully sighted guy. And I was so impressed by that. He's one of these wonderful teachers and has the mind to relate to the way people who are blind would experience the world. And he put that into his scripts and you've used them. I mean, you know, it was great, but sadly, you know, things changed. Cakewalk went out of business. Windows changed. David based his scripts on a certain theme. You could make what was it called windows classic theme and Microsoft dropped support for that. And so his scripts were failing big time in, in different areas. It just wasn't worth the time and money to try to totally rewrite it all. So we had to just kind of let it go. But it was great for what it did. I mean, for sure. There's a guy, Raul Midon, who made a couple albums that have done very well. Raul's been on national television. He's toured all over the place. He's still doing his thing. He's great. He's a blind guy. He did it all himself with sonar and cake talking. That's right. And we'll put something on the show notes so that way people can go listen or buy his albums. So that way yeah, you can go yeah. check it he, out. He, he has some really nice stuff. Singer, songwriter stuff. Plays guitar really well. Sings really well. And writes well and did all the engineering and had other artists come in, you know, on his records and recorded them. Which yeah. is pretty cool. I got to work with Sonar. At the time, it was very impressive. I got to do a whole piece of second year was in Spanish and it was incredible. My parents got to see this on DVD and they're like, yeah. that is impressive that you yeah, got you to know, do something I, like I that. need to dig that out. Well, do you have that mix? I do not, sir, actually. Okay, I, I need to somewhere. get a copy of that because... I'm going to get that to you. Please. Nowadays, I do this more of a hobby, but back then, it's impressive what I did. I was just like, oh my gosh. It was it was impressive. I got to stay before the classes began. I got into the class, did the guitar, did the yeah. accordion, did the bass, sang with a little bit of correction. I'm not the best singer on the planet, but it was a lot of fun. That was, it was. my it goal. Was big fun for me. And this was before your voice changed pretty much, which was kind of fun. <laughs> 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 yeah, because back then I had this voice, you know, so yeah. I would... <laughs> But I don't know. If, I don't know if you could sing it in that key anymore. But no, I had to, I'd have to go because it was in the key of E flat, and I, I probably had to lower it. And uh, with the family band, I, I, you know, there's sometimes where they tell me to sing, and I'm like, "You're funny." No, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, because I don't sing. I, I like to play more than sing. I like to do instrumental covers of stuff. I never thought mm -hmm. of like composing my own thing. You know, I did two pieces. One in Lime, which was just a big mess. I called it "Ode to Steel Drum." I don't know if you still have that, sir, actually. but I don't think I have that anymore. What do you think of all these keyboards now that are relying on touchscreens to work? 
like musical a, keyboards. That's a tough one for us, of course, but there's some progress there. Yamaha is starting to make certain select models have some speech capabilities. Oh, that I did not know. For actually. now, they're the higher-end models, so the economically priced keyboards for $200 aren't talking yet. And hopefully, they'll get there. There's a company in Germany called Native Instruments, and they make something called Complete Control. Complete Control spelled with K's instead of C's. And Complete Control, once you get it installed, and it's a little bit of a pain to install it, once you get it installed and you touch any of the controls on the keyboard, it will talk. You guys actually offer the installation. It saves us the pain, right? Y'all yeah, offer the installation that's the side. That's the idea. The Complete Control is pretty fun, and it works with Logic. It even will work with Sonar if you configure it right. That's kind of a hopeful thing because it came from the manufacturer. You know, it wasn't a retrofit that we did like David Pinto did with Sonar. It wasn't after the fact, and that's encouraging. Which is pretty nifty for sure. For people that are curious to know, what Yamaha models have speech capability? I know the Clavinova does. Okay. And the Clavinova is kind of like their grand piano kind of thing. It's like a big piece of furniture, and it has speakers, and it sounds great for what it does. But it only has like... A few different piano sounds, grand piano, a couple different grands, a couple electronic chorus pianos, Mm -hmm. Fender Rhodes kind of thing, and a church organ sound and a vibraphone sound. That reminds me of the old Korg SP250 keyboard that I had. Mm. That one only had a few selections, which is pretty nifty. So the Clavinova has, do any other models have it as well, or just the Clavinova that you know? A few other models, and I forget the names of them, but I was reading recently that some blind guys were using some of the other models. But I think they still are the pretty high-end pricier models of Yamaha and, and I think that's unfortunate but that's what they're doing and you know there are also keyboards that you could probably control with an iPhone or an Android device I've not delved into that but I think there are some but ironically even some of those apps that I've heard of have their own accessibility issues has dancing dots ever considered diving into the realm of maybe consulting with a company like for example i know for me it's a pain to try to memorize all the bank numbers on keyboards but it would be much easier for me to maybe pull out my phone in a braille display like whenever i play with the family and just find the preset i want and double tap it or press the cursor around key and it goes on to it has dancing dots ever thought of like consulting with app developers to do something like that we're open to doing that but that opportunity hasn't come up and we haven't gone out to look for it because our main business really is about notation these days i mean it's about braille and print notation but yeah we're open to talking about it thank you for joining us for this edition of teacher vision by screenless allies See you on the next one. Meanwhile, you can check out our website at screenlessallies.com. S-C-R-E-E-N-L-E-S-S-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash screenlessalliesofficial. And most importantly, please tell your friends about us. And if you have any suggestions or comments or questions, you can definitely email those to info at screenlessallies.com. We'll see you next time. And thank you for listening.